What ho, folks! I'm Lillian Crawford, a freelance film critic and historian focusing on women and post-war British cinema. Welcome to the Listen to Lillian podcast, part of an ongoing blog I've recently set up on Substack to develop my research for my own terms. Simply go to listentolillian.substack.com to subscribe for a bumper crop of reviews, essays and feature articles, with upcoming series including a deep dive into the output of Ealing Studios, dance in the films of Powell and Pressburger, and all things Carry On, James Bond and Derek Jarman. Each episode I invite my guests to select a British film to discuss, from the silent era to recent releases. All I ask is they pick a film they think is particularly interesting in its representation of female characters or its approach to queer subject matter. For this first episode I've invited my friend Tia Reichendalia, a lawyer with a keen interest in cinema, to join me for a chat. The film she's chosen for us to discuss is Gorinda Chadder's 2002 comedy drama Bend It Like Beckham. Possibly Chadder's most popular film, Bend It Like Beckham stars Paminda Nagra as Jess, a student disallowed to play football by her Indian Sikh parents, and Kira Knightley as her friend Jules. Before I let Tia introduce herself, here's the original trailer to give you a sporting sense of what's to come. What did I do wrong in my past life? Jess had a talent that was something special. That was brilliant. Really good. Yeah, almost as good as a man. <laughs> and a family that was something else. Mrs. Bamra, you must be very proud of your daughter. Not at all. And you three shouldn't encourage her. Girls aren't supposed to play soccer. My mom's never wanted me to play. You just can't take no for an answer. Whoops. Oh, will you both pack it in? I'm not going to give it up. All I'm saying is there is a reason why Sporty Spice is the only one of them without a boyfriend. This spring... I don't want you running around half-naked in front of men. We've been invited to play in Germany this Saturday. It's going to be an American scout there. I can't. What are you going to have to give up next? It's about knowing what's right. She's got tremendous potential. I think we know better our daughter's potential. Following your heart. He likes you. I think so. Oh, you're quite pretty, you know. You do something with your hair and put a bit of makeup on. You look all right. And finding the strength. Why are they so frightened to let you play? This is taking me away from everything they know. Whose life you live in, Jess? To bend the rules. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents the international smash hit everyone's cheering for. Bend it like Beckham. This is where you spoil her to work. No, this is how it started with your niece, running off to become a model wearing small, small skirts. Mom, she's a fashion designer. She's divorced, that's what she is. Hello, Tia. Hello, how are you? How I'm are good. you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. Not up to much, just been sort of watching films and not having much luck writing about them. That's why we record things about them instead. Exactly. So do you want to introduce yourself, tell people who you are and what brings you to this podcast? Sure. So I'm Tia. I am a student at Oxford Brookes University. I study law. I am wishing my life away by going to study more law in September, but I really, really like films. This I, is this is good. <laughs> I, I try and watch a lot of movies. I do fall asleep in a lot of them. 
because it's normally after working I will watch them but I do enjoy movies a lot. <laughs> good good and you, you also are president of the Oxford Brooks Quiz Society. That is right yes I yeah. am. <laughs> so that's, we, that's, we, we, that's how we met. We have something in common. I <laughs> Formerly president of Cambridge's Quiz Society. I think we met during that period. Oh yeah, almost certainly. But now we quiz in a very similar format to how we're recording this podcast, which is via Zoom. Always. So you said you like movies. What sort of films do you normally go in for? So it sort of depends on the mood I'm in. My favourite movies, I have to say, are Ratatouille, if I'm going with animation in Pixar. The 100 Foot Journey is a wholesome movie. Again, South Indian representation. I like some freakier movies. For example, I loved The Lighthouse in terms of movies I watched recently. Oh, really? Cinema. Okay. <laughs> I, I, anxiety-inducing as it is, I did have fun going to the cinema to watch it. I just remember the only female character was like a mermaid who was also a giant vagina. So That is I, true. I, that I, is I also <laughs> true. I wasn't terribly keen on that. that. That's understandable. I think I just like Robert Pattinson. This is a good point. He, he looked very nice in it. <laughs> he did. And in terms of obscure movies, I don't watch a huge amount of them. I am a bit more mainstream with my movie watching. That's but... fine. We all can be. <laughs> they can be just as good as the more obscure stuff. But you, you seem to have picked a film for this podcast, which sort of sits in the middle. I mean, when it came out, Bend It Like Beckham, I should say, is the film we're talking about, was quite mainstream, whereas it seems to have been forgotten now. It, it has. It doesn't get mentioned a lot. Like when there's been lists of like the greatest films directed by women or the best British films, it's not often no. mentioned. It's underrated, I think. It dropped when I was only two years old, so I must have been about seven or eight when I first watched it. But I remember watching it as a kid and thinking, I really, really like this, and I hate football. Yeah, well, th this is the key point about the film, because I also do not like sports, um, and I'm not sure I've seen that many films you'd call sports movies. I've seen A League of Their Own, Penny Marshall. Basically, I, I will watch the sports movies where it's women doing sports. They tend to be more interesting than just like, this is a football match. There's other things going on in Bend It Like Beckham, which I think previously, one of the main reasons why I hadn't seen it until you suggested it for this podcast was because I sort of had this disincentive of the subject without actually sort of looking into what the film is really about, which isn't football at all. I think the thing with football is it's a male-dominated sport. You think about the majority of fans are male, the players that are recognised are male. I still couldn't tell you any female footballers I know. Yeah, I mean, besides me, maybe, me, besides me. maybe <laughs> the friends I had at school who played on the girls' team, I don't know any. But you ask for top football players, I bet you anybody would say Ronaldo or Messi or Beckham. The movie is called Bend It Like Beckham. Well, exa exactly. It's a um, comparison to... Yeah. Well, who's considered one of the greatest footballers of all time. Yeah, and this film came out in 2002, so I was four years old when it came out. So if I knew anything about football around that age, it would be that there is someone called David Beckham and that he was the captain of the England team. And that was about it. Like, if I, if I saw the World Cup, it would very much be, like, him being celebrated as, as part of that. And he appears in this film, sort he of. He does, at the end with Victoria. <laughs> yeah, from a distance and we don't really see if it's him and he's also at the beginning but it I'm, I, I'm pretty sure that Jess is edited in to that scene that it's not he's not actually in the film I'm just or going that, to say it's 2002 and they tried their best they did they did <laughs> it, it's quite impressive that opening sequence I didn't really know it wasn't what I was expecting this film to 
to be because then we go to like match of the day and Gary Lineker talking about what a great player Jess is and then her mother's like saying that she should stop. I was quite lucky. I grew up in an Indian household, very much like Jess did, British Indian. My parents were raised in the UK, so I'm one more generation down, but I still understand the balance that Jess has had to go through of wanting to sort of embrace the Western culture we grew up in, but also upkeeping the traditions and cultures that was brought from the East. You know, you want to be a good Indian child. You want to make sure you uphold everything. You're being great. You're following it all. But also you want to do the things that everyone else does because your friends do it. Same way Jess wants to follow Jules into the football team. And I really related to that as a kid. Even though I, if I said to my parents, hey, I want to play football, it wouldn't be an issue. I can imagine my grandmother going, no, you're going to get dirty. You're going to break your bones. You will never get married if you have a disfigured face. My brother, he went to play football every week with his team, primarily because he liked it, but he never got backlash from all the older Indian members. So all hell broke loose when I started martial arts. What martial arts did you do? <laughs> I took up taekwondo. And that went okay? <laughs> my parents were fine with it. My grandmother freaked out when I came home with, almost, with an almost broken nose. For the reasons that you just said, like, because you wouldn't be able to get married. Yeah, it's that's... That's that's, the reason. Not worried about the fact that you've broken your nose. You know, know, your nose can be fixed. You can go to a doctor, they'll fix that. What if you end up disfigured? No one will ever like you. Crikey, okay. (laughs) you, You think by now in the UK that attitude would have dissolved or at least been tempered down, but it hasn't. And you see the same thing in the movie. Jess is told to do more ladylike hobbies, not play football. And, but it's it's also the same for Jules with her mother. That I mean, obviously, it's from for a different it's for different reasons. With with Jules, it's it's to do with perceived expectations of what a girl should be doing at her age. That she should be getting a boyfriend and wearing bras which have like this weird inflatable thing inside. <laughs> um, I have no idea what those were. Maybe maybe that was a thing I, in, I the early, maybe... in the early noughties. I don't I don't, I don't think I want to know. No, I'm glad that <laughs> that fashion seems to have died a death. But yeah, and she, she has like fairly short hair and she wears sport bras and clothing and her mother played by Juliet Stevenson is sort of very much against this but as it transpires that's out of a fear of her daughter being gay yes um, which is sort of this strange underlying subplot within the film that there's this it's, sort of it's an almost forgettable subplot yeah. because there's it, also it, it... the Jess and Jules drama with Joe yes. it, um... it, I do kind of wonder even now what the point of that subplot was it never nothing really came of it <laughs> I have a feeling that Gorinda Chudder was told that she needed to have like a heterosexual romance going on and that there yeah. needed to be some sort of conflict between friends because, I mean, it's a British film, but in that respect, it feels like an American high school drama. Of, it like, does. There's the boy and there is you got, and also like a severe abuse of power because he is their coach um and they are that, that is also he's, true he's supposed to be like the responsible adult especially when they go to where is it in germany is it hamburg yes yeah um and they go like club i mean to be fair they are 18 years old so it's okay yeah so, but at the same time i think there is also the dynamic of players and coach even if they absolutely. were the same age yeah absolutely it's it's, it's not it doesn't feel a, right it's not appropriate <laughs> at all and there's like that the the strange scene where Jess's dad sees her with him and 
is like totally okay with that. Yeah, it, it has an issue with her playing football, but it's 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 fine if she like. Well, no, it's not totally okay. They do have that. She worries that she can't be with him, and I think I think that's the only thing that I really didn't like about this film is that at the end when she's going off to do great things and take up her scholarship, she's still like, oh, we can make this work long distance. Cut to like a few days later and she's just completely forgotten about him. But they don't, we don't see that. I guess, but I think also they had to appeal to the British public. This is true. You know, Hollywood basically defines most of our media consumption. It's yeah. a very Hollywood trope, I think. Yeah. And to not make it completely alien, because I find a lot of British films do seem rather alien when they don't fill in some of the Hollywood stereotypes. I feel like that was probably shoehorned in just to make it feel a bit more like a normal movie. Yeah, definitely. And it's it's also plays particularly strangely because where there is this sort of subplot introduced that so Jess's sister is, is going to get married and then the yes. wedding is pulled off for the reason that the parents of her fiancé saw her at the bus stop, thought she was a boy and thought that she was kissing Jess. Yes. Which is such a complex idea um, and has so many repercussions that it sort of shows how like that these weird perceptions can have domino effects on the lives of the, the whole family, not just yeah. on, on the two central characters. I call what, that the what... Indian auntie gossiping effect. <laughs> what do you make of like that scene and, and how that plays out? I just, I remember seeing it and thinking, I understand this completely. Like I watched it recently and it reminded me of a time when I was, I must have been like 15, 16, and all my friends were guys at school. And I think me and my friends were in town centre when I grew up and we're just having a laugh and we're mooching around shops and some relatives saw me with three boys hanging around me. And my grandmother called me 20 minutes later saying, why are you out with boys? I went, how on earth did you find out? You're not even near me. You have no idea I've left my house. There was someone driving by, like in the film. They, they just walked past me in the shopping centre and I oh, had no wow. idea. But I get it. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and I get how if they see someone. It's a big thing about image. It's almost like Victorian England where your image is the most important thing. If you can keep but it in, in some ways, it's a good thing that they did think that Jules was a boy because if they thought that she was kissing a girl, it could have had really quite awful repercussions, not just for her sister, but for Jess as well. Because like, if, if this is how they're reacting to her wanting to play football, they're not going to be... I mean, it's not even contemplatable for her family that she would be gay. There's that wonderful bit of dialogue when, is it like her grandmother where she says, what's a lesbian? I thought she was a Pisces. <laughs> that was incredible. That is the, definitely the, the best bit of dialogue in the film. But I... like, the, the, they don't even know what a lesbian is because it's just so beyond the realm of possibility. So I, I suppose the reason why that's not like, an explicit part of the film is because it's already sort of trying to challenge conservative ideas of gender with the football narrative that if they then added to that the fact that she's a lesbian that there wouldn't be the tolerance that ultimately that we know that the film's building towards right from the start that there's going to you know it would be a pretty depressing film if it got to the end where she was like, oh, no, I can't pursue my dreams as a footballer. Yeah, I think with, there was that whole entire subplot juxtaposed with the wedding subplot. Your sister is getting married to someone. That's like the most 
that's the biggest celebration of love and relationships. And you've got that happening, which they're trying to encourage and prepare for next to this is not the right relationship we want. It's in the wrong direction almost. Definitely. And it's really horrible how Jules's mother responds to the idea that she might be gay. That like she thinks yeah. that she, they, they've been, she sees them kissing and then she like, but she cries then seems to be okay with it because she's going to like drive her to see Jess at the wedding and then completely freaks out when they like embrace each other when they see each other as any friends would do. You come from a conservative household though you know you keep yourself to yourself you don't show that much expression or physical expression in public. Yeah and then when they're in the car and she's like criticizing it I was like, for goodness sake, please can Jules point out the fact that it wouldn't be an issue if she was gay. And then finally, eventually she does. And then the mum's like, oh, yeah, of course, there's nothing wrong with being gay. (laughs) As long as as you're not, (laughs) who cares what other people do? Oh my god, yes. Um, (laughs) So it's this really weird issue where it's like someone who can be is progress tries to look progressive or accepting of like other people, but then when it comes into their own home, they're totally against it. Because for her, it's almost like she's grieving the loss of a daughter that she wanted to have a daughter like her who like would have had a boyfriend at that time wants to wear ridiculous pink hats and and, and um shawls and things to football matches which i mean she looks like she's going to the wedding and she's just going to see her daughter play football so it's it's this weird conflict where she can't accept the fact that her daughter has different interests to her and that she's much closer to her dad than she is yeah. with her mother. And I think the biggest win in this movie was her dad encouraging her to go to the match. Absolutely. It, it completely breaks the tough, rough exterior of the typical Indian man. You know, what, my, what I say goes, it's my rules. I uphold my family and I uphold what we do constantly and see him go actually no and convince his wife yeah that's it's interesting that the film sort of revolves around the fact that both of these female characters Jess and Jules have a close relationship with their fathers than they do with their mothers and I don't know if that's like the film trying to say well because they're interested in football they therefore have more in common with their dads or if it's just the fact that their mothers seem to have this strange perception of femininity or of a very regimented idea of femininity whereas the dads are like well you know it's okay if she wants to to do that yeah it's, it's the regimented femininity oh, i can't say that today that's a hard thing to say i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness but there's sort of the regiment of how a female's supposed to behave how you're supposed to act and understand and take in stimuli it's all it's always a formulaic and just not fitting in the formula in any way shape or form in the same way we guess her dad hasn't and you can see he was slowly slowly breaking his mold it kind of explains why they had such a close relationship in the first place i think and that was actually quite nice to see because you tend to find your fathers and sons they would link over sports they'd link over watching the football or just being boys together and girls are linked over the girly hobbies like know, cooking or sewing or I'm trying to name very typically female hobbies. Or like going dress shopping or yeah, doing makeup or whatever, which is just something that neither of 
Well, I mean, Jess sort of toes the line a bit more than Jules does. Jules is a, is much more sort of against, well, not yeah. against, but isn't interested in, yeah. in those sorts of things. And that's shown, whereas we're not really shown that quite so much with Jess. Again, because the issue is very much with the football Whereas yeah, yeah. there needs to, in order to sort of show the conflict between Jules and her mother, they add, they've they added this extra dimension to that tension. I mean, I could understand if they wanted to add an idea of Jess being a girly girl, enjoying going dress shopping and wearing makeup and being ready for her sister's wedding, as well as wanting to play football. But I think it's too much of a good thing. It'd be too many layers to a movie. Yeah, and I think I think that's old. I mean, we, we, we can sort of, I can criticise it for that. But at the same time, you do have to kind of acknowledge that the film can't do too much. Um, it'd be too difficult to watch. It'd be too many different things to think about each time. Exactly. And I, I think that what it is trying to do, and, you know, particularly when it was made, I think that women's football now is a lot more popular. And I mean, it's like shown on the BBC. And I think <laughs> I, well, I remember the it. I remember the first time I saw people talking about the Women's FA Cup or the World Cup on BBC News on the right. section. I remember thinking, oh my God, it's actually a thing. Yeah, exactly. It's not, it's not just from the movies. Yes, because the film makes it, you know, it's it's quite clear that there's not really a sort of mainstream professional future for female footballers in, in the film. Whereas I'd like to think that's changed now. I'd I'm, say so. Yeah. I mean, if, if this film was made today, would it be different? Do you think? I think yes and no. I think they would probably play up the uh, suspected homosexual relationship a lot more now. Representation is much bigger now, and I would love to see more of the LGBT community getting into this. But the, the, the South Asian representation, I don't think, should be changed. I think they did a perfect amount then, and it hasn't really changed. The only thing that's changed is the interactions of the South Asian community with things like the LGBTQ community. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think that for Gurinder Chadder making this film that is very much like the focus that she wants to get across and i and i think that i think you're right i think that that's not gone away and that still comes back in in other films that have been made since that she's made since as well like her most recent film blinded by the light i mean i think it's fairly progressive for 2002 i can't i can't name any other major movies that came out of that year but i think that was pretty important yeah and and, cer- and certainly in British cinema, I'd say that it's yeah. it's yeah, it's definitely one of the most influential films. But as as we said at the start, it's sort of been forgotten, and I wonder if that's partly because people don't think that those issues are as relevant now as perhaps they were back then. I think it's quite clear from us talking about it that those issues are still alive and kicking and that all women face those same sort of expectations of, of what sort of career you're supposed to pursue and obviously not just in in sport but in all manner of different subjects as well i do agree but i also wonder how much it was marketed back then though i don't think even now i don't hear much about british cinema and british movies as opposed to american released media i really because i would say that particularly in the past year it's been a lot of british films that have been coming out that like releases have been particularly female directed British films which are which are being released because the mainstream American stuff the stuff that you know they can't really afford to not release in cinemas has been pushed back into into the next year or so so I I, I think British cinema's been doing quite well this past year 
I'm guessing I'm trying to focus more on back then. I think back oh, then, right. I think, I th- I yeah. think back then the bigger focus was stuff like Harry Potter, for example. That oh, was God. that was that was the big push for British cinema. They had yeah. big Warner Brothers studios. Everyone was British. Everyone making it was British. And the James Bond franchise was James, dying. We had James but, Bond. We had that because Die Another Day comes out what around this time, I think, and that sort of kills the franchise until um, yeah. they get they get Daniel Craig for Casino <laughs> Royale in two thousand and six. Yeah, Die, Die Another Day is truly dire. It is awful. I do agree. <laughs> very much go for bend it like Beckham rather than die another day I think I I try and think about what movies would have been pushed the most back then but yeah I mean it it was it was very much I think because of that it got lost and and Lord of the Rings which are like the the the, the heavy hitters in 2002 true Um, I think then we had Star Wars kind of dropping the pre their prequels at that time too yeah it was like it was was like franchise season yeah, it was like the, the rebirth of summer blockbusters. And that sort of continued ever since then. And I can see why it got lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's probably why I mixed up my words earlier. But yeah, cause, yeah cause even how, now I'm seeing how, British yeah. cinema and it's great that British cinema is getting its own voice again. And, we, yes. and I think Netflix and other streaming platforms have really helped with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is this, we should say that Bend It Like Beckham is available on, on Prime. So, oh yeah, we should. Know, it's... It's a, <laughs> it is accessible. You can go out and and watch it. Um, yeah. You know, it's it's not a hard to find film, and I think a lot of people have seen it. But I definitely don't think it's one that really gets discussed as much as it used to. And maybe that's because it is so specifically a British film. Yeah. Um, I don't know how well it would play, or how indeed how well it did play with international markets. I don't know. I don't personally know how well it did. Like what actually happens within the film is so specific to it Britain. Is. There's a very different. I think because especially because it's an Indian family, the South Asian Indians or the South Asian British, more like culture, is very different to a South Asian American culture. They have a very different way of expressing themselves, a different way of living. And if the same plot was played out in the States, I think it would be a very different movie. It would seem foreign to them, even though everyone's Indian. What do you think of the religious aspect within the film and the way that the wedding is portrayed and sort of the marriage in the, in the film? Personally, I quite liked it. But this was me being a kid when I first saw it, having going to weddings every single year, maybe two or three weddings a year. And the excitement of getting to go pick out outfits, dress up, go see all your family. It's quite monumental, even though we do it all the time. We still love it. And for me, seeing that just kind of made me very happy. And now I also kind of get why it was such a big deal. Everyone loves their wedding. Everyone loves going to weddings. But maybe that's just from me being a female. My brother probably would say differently. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. I I love it because it just feels so... It's not something that I have experience with, but it, it looks and feels quite authentic it, i think it was yeah i would say so and it and it's just joyful and fun yeah. and it, it everyone's some, dancing i mean it it's some the, colors it's, and brightness it kind of adds to the sort of somber tone of jess being told no no football i uh, know i definitely recommend watching it in lockdown because it yes. is <laughs> a, a, good pow- movie. a powerful reminder of like what social interactions and parties <laughs> feel like um <laughs> Yes. Outside of lockdown. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll go partying the way Jess did. I don't think I'm brave enough to do that. <laughs> no, the German club does not look <laughs> particularly fun with no. the bizarre outfits that they're wearing. I don't like, know, that was just an early naughty style or yeah, some poor costume design. Jules is wearing like this 
crop top, which is basically just a scarf tied around her neck, which like <laughs> hangs over <laughs> her chest. Um, yes, I don't think that was. Very yeah, weird. there is there are some very strange early noughties fashion choices in the film. I mean, the um, early noughties had questionable fashion to start with. Oh God, yeah, <laughs> but it's it's very much there in in this film. Yes, but I think also there may have been some poor costume designs on top of keeping up with early fashion. But I wouldn't call that a huge bugbear of mine. No, because yeah. I was more focused on the uh, the Joe dynamic that was going down in that scene. Yes, exactly. Um, I forget that actor's name. I should know the name of the actor. He's in Woody Allen's Match Point. That's like the only other... Yeah, that's the only other film I could... Which is a film about tennis. So... um, I don't know if he was like only into doing British films about sport. I don't. I don't know. Maybe um, he just got lucky. Someone also, liked him in this first British sporty movie. Yeah. Also, there's this there's this really weird moment where so they're playing football, mm. and Jess is fouled by another player, and she's attacked with a racist remark by the girl who's knocked her down. Yes. Jess tells Joe about this. And he's like, I'm Irish, don't you think I get it? Which is a very strange comparison that's made at that I'd point. say so. It's very, I do understand how he might have felt. You know, this is kind of around the time, or just after the times of the Troubles, there was definitely a lot of prejudice. But we also had 9-11 to contend, where every South Asian was getting a lot of hate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, you had to be so careful when you went outside around that time, because just people weren't very nice to you yeah exactly saying it in the nicest way possible and sure we get how you feel joe but it's conflict is relative to the closest event yeah it it just feels very strange when like a young woman is sort of going to him as her coach and reporting an incident of racist abuse and he sympathizes in a way by trying to say that he can relate to it which is a very strange idea I didn't um, like how he tried to play victim. Exactly. If yeah. someone came to me saying they've suffered racist abuse, I'd say, I'm really sorry that's happened. We, I understand how it's not great. Yeah. You use your experience to sympathise, not make yourself a victim. Yeah, you don't then start <laughs> reeling off all of the times where people have said bad things to you. It's not It's not the appro- right time when you want to. It's not appropriate. Yeah, exactly. Um, his name is Jonathan Rhys Myers, I should say. Okay. Um, is the name of that actor. He's quite a squinty guy. He, <laughs> I don't you know, could say. He, he, he has this sort of smouldering look that he clearly thinks is very sexy. And apparently it's had it, it's the desired effect on Jess and Jules. But he, uh, I don't know. I just get really strange <laughs> vibes off him. Maybe I it's do. because I've seen him in Match Point where he's just this really horrible, slimy character. Uh, I don't think um, I've seen Match Point. Or if I have, I've completely forgotten it. I, I would recommend. I mean, it's, it's a Woody Allen film, so get 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 rid of that guy. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but 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 the it's actually quite a good film, and Matthew Good and Scarlett Johansson are very good in it. Jonathan Rhys Myers sort of looks like he should be the star of of Misfits or something. He feels like he should be in that sort of very seedy British <laughs> kind of show. Yeah, he has that feel to it. So whenever he was like, I mean, obviously there's this creepy dynamic anyway, because he's, exactly. he's he's clearly older than these two women and he's like sort of preying on them and knows that Jules fancies him 
And then he's like eyeing up Jess and like pursues her when she leaves the club. Also, he's taking advantage of her because she's, I mean, she's clearly not used to alcohol because she's like, I've only had two glasses of wine or something. But she's, she's, she's clearly quite drunk. (laughs) And again, I just couldn't believe that it happened. But also at the same time, I'm also completely not surprised that it happened. Yeah, I mean, I don't think, I'd like to think that that is an element of this film that would not be included today yeah um especially like after me too and true the way, you know the fact that may, may, maybe we're picking up on this because it's more, we're more aware of it and also like when watching it when we were younger we might not have picked up on on that dynamic quite so much but it, it, it is quite striking watching it now it is um, and seeing the way that he tries to take advantage of them. I think, if anything, if they redid this and they decided to include the dynamic and his sort of relentless pursuit, I would focus the Me Too section of it a bit further. I'd emphasise how it is creepy and it's not right. And not just, yeah. it just happens to be that the coach is has a weird crush on the girls. You know, yeah. it's, oh my God, he has a weird crush on the girls. Yeah, and that's what makes it so uncomfortable at the end that she like gives in to him. Also, considering the fact that she's really scared about her parents finding out about it, yeah. li- she's literally standing like a meter away from them at the airport before they go off to America, and they're like telling each other, "Oh, we should be sweethearts and stay in touch." Yeah, no. it's just a bit. No. <laughs> Especially when there's so much to love in this film, and there's there so is. much to celebrate about it. I mean, even I mean, though they did do that, I still would. I still really enjoy it as a movie. Oh god, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I think it's important to flag it up. Um, oh, absolutely, yeah. Especially when we're talking about like gender representation. Um, exactly. In in these films, I think it was. I would say it was a good success for the time, and I just wish more people knew about it. It has a cracking soundtrack as well. Oh, it does. Th- th- this should be pointed out. <laughs> I, I mean, whoever is listening, watch it, appreciate the soundtrack. Oh, absolutely. It's not early 2000s songs, I don't think. I think they use more 90s stuff. There was not yeah. much early 2000s going for 2002. <laughs> <laughs> there is a sports, a, a sports Spice Girls joke. Oh, uh, yeah. Where she's like, why do you think Sporty Spice is the only one without a boyfriend? No, oh she doesn't. Say, well, that's what she says in the trailer. But in the in the film, it's actually a different line. It's um, why do you think Sporty Spice is the only one without a fella? Which is a which which makes it even worse. Um, fella just seems like, a bit is a bit in your face British the way yeah. they say it. Also, like, why are they equating success with <laughs> like th- these multi-millionaire pop superstars? And Juliet Stevenson is like, oh, they're only successful if they've got. A man. I guess the Spice Girls thing was only there purely because Victoria and Be- Beckham. Exactly. Yeah. And those, and those see, two we see were the like the back of her head. <laughs> oh, we do. But I think that Victoria and David were like the biggest couple that everyone knew about them. Everybody loved them. Yeah. Yeah. I, I wonder, like, because the frame of reference in the film is very specific to when it was made. Yeah. I do wonder how well those elements would play now? I mean, who would the footballer be that they, that they would name the film after? I don't know. Honestly, I think they picked Beckham, bec- they picked Beckham because he was he's British. He's the best British footballer they have. Yeah. But now I can't think of any good British footballers. There probably are a load. Yeah. I just don't know any. Well, I, I think it's the, the, the uniqueness of the sort of that coupling of like football meeting pop music and 
true. Their, their, the publicity of their family. I mean, the Beckhams were sort of like the British Kardashians, I suppose. I, actually, more or less. Yeah. You know, once uh, come away from a massive music career, she started a home clothes line, she's got everything going for her, just ends up with the best footballer. Yeah, absolutely. And they so started I, the weird baby naming trend before it was popular. And, and now their son is bringing out terrible books of photography. I haven't seen them yet, but I do know of them. <laughs> Yeah, is it is it Brooklyn? I think. Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn Beckham. Brooklyn Beckham's photography, which is horrendous. Oh, I have to find out about this now. <laughs> but yeah, they are so they're clinging on to fame, even though the height of their careers is sort of over, long behind them. Yeah. So yeah, maybe it would still work. I don't know if they'd use the same footballer now. No, but I then would th- th- but would this film get made now? I don't think so. Or if they did, I don't think it'd be about football specifically. They'd probably pick a more international sport with players that aren't just English. Right, yeah. In the sense that for Brits, we like football, we know British players. If they did tennis, it'd probably be Andy Murray. But would there be such an issue with tennis? It is more female inclusive. We yeah, have loads exa- of famous... Exactly. Women have been, since Billie Jean King, have been yeah. front and centre in, in tennis. So. But I guess football has kind of lost its sort of charm as such. It's hard to imagine it really at the moment with sports sort of not really happening no, exactly or, or having large audiences. I'm really not an expert on this. I mean, neither am I. But I could I would love to see a recreation of this. But I just don't yeah. know how. I just don't know how they would do it. Or, yeah. And if we, and if they did do it, I feel like it would just be changed too much. I do think it's important to stress. Obviously this film is about football and football is a very important element of the film. But it it's, is. you don't have to appreciate football to enjoy the film yeah. um, or get something out of it. I mean, as someone who very much is not into football, um but- it, we also I, know it's, love it's, this film. it's an ingrained part of British culture almost. Even if you don't like it, you'll still keep up with the World Cup when England does fairly well. You'll walk past a pub on match night and you'll know it's a match when you hear everyone's yelling or cheering at a goal. And you, you, you just hear about it growing up. You know, exactly. All your friends at school had a favourite team and you watched everyone yeah. switch and swap and argue about it. You just know. I remember being assigned Ukraine when I was in year three, I have to support Ukraine in the, in the World Cup. Um, I, I remember my first World Cup sort of sweepstakes. It was Uruguay for me. And that was the year that Luis Suarez bit someone. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Um, <laughs> I remember yeah. that. That was fairly monumental for football. Yeah, because there, are, there aren't many football matches in the film. I think the, I think uh, the big thing was the finals. That, But then at the same, the bit that still gets me is they, it's all about female representation and a female push, but the whole the name of the movie is still a comparison to a man. Yeah. That's, that's the bit that yeah. gets me still. Yeah, that's a really important point that like, we should be like back. <laughs> be, be like the big man, the big footballer, but also be a really good, strong, independent female character. Yeah. When Jess says the title of the film in the film itself, she says that she wants to bend it like Beckham. Whereas, like, just on its own, as a title, Bend It Like Beckham is, like, an imperative. It's like, this is what you need to do. This is what you exactly. need to get to strive towards. Yeah. In the context of the film, she wants to perform that sort of stunt trick thing that he did. That sort of very legendary curve. Yeah, which she does. And it's great that she does that. You know, it's super cool. You watch it, you feel really good and fuzzy on the inside because she did yeah. the cool curvy ball trick. It's a wonderfully cheesy moment as oh, well. absolutely. <laughs> but, you know, but the context is achieving the skill, not so much. But And it's just like Beckham because it was yeah. Beckham's trick, not so much that he was the guy. But then you think about the movie and when you first think of it, you think, oh, 
Bend it like Beckham. It's just a football movie. I, mean, I guess maybe they do it on purpose to show that you could be like David Beckham, but I don't know. It just doesn't sit right with me, even now. Yeah. The performances are really great as well. Kira Knightley is very young as Jules. What had she really done before this? She was in Star Wars. She was in The Phantom Menace. Of course she was. Of course she, she was, was. She was fake Queen Amitala. She, she, she was fake Padme. <laughs> yeah. And that was like um, my, thought, my first sort of introduction to her because I couldn't. Mi- I kept mixing her up with Natalie Portman. Yeah, but very much the star of this film is Paminda Nagra, oh, uh, who's amazing. But oh, she, she was has incredible. A, if, you, if you compare these two women's careers since this film, Kira Knightley is sort of A-lister. I think superstar. she got Pirates of the Caribbean though shortly that, after this. That, that, that was the big thing because and, there was yeah. a host of British people making a big Disney movie. So you stick her with Orlando Bloom and Johnny Depp. Yeah, and she did Love Actually around the same time as well. Oh, yeah, I forgot Love Actually exists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not my forget, f- forget it. it. Forget it again. We'll mention Love Actually <laughs> <laughs> and forget forget that it exists um, again. Another another film in which Kira Knightley plays a woman who has like a strange relationship with a guy who's basically a stalker. True. Um, <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I just I just didn't enjoy that movie. I don't know why people say it's their favorite Christmas. Oh, it, movie. It, it, it's absolutely horrendous. It is a tr- truly awful film. Um, but what, what, what's Paminda Nagra done since this? Honestly, I don't know. I honestly no. could not tell you. I will have a, another <laughs> another quick Google. Um, <laughs> she's, she was in Bird Box, which was like Netflix's most popular film ever by Susan Beer. I haven't seen it. So. I've seen it. Oh, yeah. uh, it took me three attempts to get to the end. I kept falling asleep. It wasn't. I didn't think it was a great movie. Yeah, she really hasn't done many films. She was in the Postman Pat movie. Okay. And and for horrid Henry movie, <laughs> it's it, yeah, it's 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 not exactly the most glowing career. They all seem to be quite minor roles. Yeah, playing, playing doctors, yeah. which is sad because, as I say, she She's is fantastic. really amazing in this film, and there are some really incredible moments of emotion and strength that she shows. The interactions Jess has with is it just her friend, the guy who's gay, but he is willing to like get married to her so that they can both just get their parents off their back. Yeah. I think that that subplot is actually quite interesting because what he proposes is something that other films have tried to show. Lots of films well. have tried to do that actually. Yeah. But he yeah. just kind of very casually dropped it in. It wasn't a very big monumental thing. Yeah. He doesn't, yeah, it's not really discussed. And then he kind of makes the decision that they're engaged without actually asking her, which is quite strange. He's just like, trust me. And then she's like, hang on a minute. I don't want to do this. And you yeah. don't want to do this. I mean, good for him for having an answer or a solution, but. <laughs> Yeah, and also it's sad because he doesn't then feel able that he can come out to his yeah. family and and I do feel bad for him and be open about that. Yeah, that that's one of the sort of sad loose ends of this film. He's one of the sort of secondary characters whose arc isn't really, is sort of left open at the end. We don't know. Mind you, he was I, fairly I, forgettable because he didn't really make a big deal about his ideas. I hope that he found a Me nice too. guy. But yeah, again, it's this sort of strange relationship that Bendit Like Beckham has with queerness and the LGBT subplots that it sort of, it sort of insinuates, but never really 
really does anything explicitly. That could well be because it's this is like 2002. Yeah, it was still very much in talked about, but never really talked about. Yeah, it was absolutely. always innuendo and especially not in like a mainstream film. Exactly, like, like like this. I mean, the fact that they sort of talk about being a lesbian and being gay is. That's pretty big. In itself is, is yeah, exactly. It's um, normally you just have to kind of guess with the hints. Are they gay? Are they not? Yeah. Are, are there some really big giveaways like he's extremely camp or she's got a pixie cut and is very butch? Yeah, at least it's not like <laughs> the sort of American rom-com gay best friend type. Yeah, and I'm quite, I'm really glad he didn't end up being that. Oh my god, yeah, like Rupert Everett in My Best Friend's Wedding. Or yes. Where it's just played so over the top. Um, and you, you don't want that. No one's like that. No one is like that. It's just done to and, the but, point but, of parody, of comedic effect. Whereas the comedy in this, this is a very funny film. Oh, agreed. Um, it's a great comedy, I think. They, yeah. Most of the, the punchlines hit really well. Absolutely. But, but at the same time, it doesn't shy away from some fairly serious subjects, which almost reinforces the fact that it's because it's a very upbeat film. Yeah, um, it moves very well. I think it doesn't feel yeah. slow. No, not at all. Because um, it is almost two hours, which is which is fairly long for this sort of film. Like, yeah, you normally think it'd be like an hour and a half. Yeah, that's sort of like the length for a British comedy, whereas this is like an hour and fifty-two minutes or something. So yeah. it, it, it it is a bit long, but it doesn't. You don't feel it, like it's dragging. No, you don't absolutely. feel like you're struggling to get to the end. Yeah, I completely agree. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about? I don't know. I guess I'm just going to say my favourite character was definitely the sister. She was just really good fun. Yeah, we haven't talked about her. Or, I liked her. What, I liked... What, what about her? I just, I mean, I just liked the actress a lot. Yeah. As a kid, I thought I just liked that she was the bride and she was going to get married and had the pretty dress. Me being a kid who had this grand plan of, of a big fat Indian wedding, which is still written down somewhere. It's hiding in my shelf somewhere. I loved that as like a seven or eight year old. But even now, I think I appreciate the actress a lot more. She she did The Good Wife afterwards and she did a fantastic job in it. She's done a few other bits here and there. What's going to happen with your big Indian wedding? I don't really know yet. Just I'm going to, I'll probably I'll go shopping in India, I'll get some nice clothes. I'll probably find a beach somewhere. Nice. Still open to interpretation. That sounds wonderful. Have it sort of bend it like Beckham themed. <laughs> oh my goodness. Maybe I should. Maybe I'll yeah. just put like amazing football players on each table as a table name. Cardboard cutouts of David Beckham and, and Victoria. <laughs> oh my but just, but, ju- but just the back of their heads. <laughs> yes! Yeah, it is, it is quite strange that there is an, an obvious cameo. Because I thought, like, with the name of that film, with, like, putting Beckham in the title of the film. But, you know, I'm glad they didn't make it bigger. I'm glad it was subtle. Yes, because, like, the only film David Beckham's in, King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I've not seen he, that. Oh, a horrendous film. Oh, um, I have to see it now. Um, and he like tells Arthur to pull the sword out of the stone. And it, it's absolutely horrendous. It's, oh, it's I have to go watch this. Terrible, terrible acting. So m- maybe it's for the best that he doesn't actually show off in this film. <laughs> that it's actually just someone wearing a cap <laughs> who walks past. Like me and my family used to have these jokes when we'd watch movies, which, you know, you'd have a cameo from an ex- from a famous person and we would say I wonder how much of the budget was spent on the cameo and <laughs> like, there, was a, there was this Indian movie that released on a few years ago and it was a really fantastic movie it's about a few girls who were sexually assaulted and they took the guys to court and it was a big push for a female representation bit of a me too thing because it came out just after the Delhi rape case what was it called it was called pink yeah but it wasn't a very well written movie even though it had great ideas but we think the reason was most of the money was spent on hiring one of the 
greatest Indian actors of all time, Amitabh Bachchan. And I think after that, the rest of the money was kind of divvied out between writers and sets and costumes. <laughs> Almost certainly. Oh, yeah, I think that's everything I probably have to say about. Yeah, this movie. I think I, I think we've dissected it quite effectively. I um, think so. I hope that we've at least convinced one person listening to to give it a watch or a rewatch if you haven't seen it since it was released or or since childhood because there's, there's a lot of depth to it. it it's amazing. Yeah. I so recommend it. It's well, great fun. Thank you so much for for, choos- for choosing it and and for and for talking so eloquently about this film. It's thank been, you for inviting me. It, it's, it's fantastic. Been a, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you. And thank you. If you've got an idea for an article or a podcast, you can contact me via Twitter. My handle is at Lilcroft with three L's in Lil, which is where I'll be posting about new writing and episodes. Do also get in touch if you fancy appearing as a guest and have a film you'd love to discuss with me. The Listen to Lillian podcast is available via the blog and all the usual channels, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts, so don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. All that remains for me to say is thank you for listening and toodle pip. Bye.